Let's get right into it. So we're uh, starting a new series called Boogeyman. And uh, here, let's address the elephant in the room. Uh, some of you think that Boogeyman is spelled with two O's, and it's not, okay? It's spelled with one O. I looked it up. I almost spelt it the wrong way just because it looks funny, but that's how you spell it, okay? So if anyone wants to throw shade, uh, catch me outside, you know what I mean? So that's, that's, how you, uh, that's how you spell Boogeyman. But anyways, so we're starting a series. It's going to be like eight to, if it's really good, we might go 12 weeks, which would be like three months. Um, and uh, some of you who like hate the February relationship series are like, thank God, you know what I mean? Like this is going to go all the way through that. But um, I think it's really a needed conversation to have. I think that it could be life-changing for us. And here's the thing, though. It's, it's, I don't want it to just be life-changing for you, right? So for the next few weeks, if you, ha- like, if you believe that this message, this series that we're going to talk about on anxiety can change your life, then why would you not try and get your friends here as well? Do you know what I mean? If it could be a life-changing experience, let's get everybody we can here to youth, and we'll talk about it. So the boogeyman... Uh, the boogeyman of anxiety, the, uh, the, I talked about it at retreat. Fear is, um, is being afraid of like a, a threat that's right in front of you. So if Jackson just pulled a knife on me right now, one, I would neutralize the situation, we'd be fine. But, uh, there'd be a moment of fear. No, I'm just kidding. So I'd be afraid, right? Because there's a legitimate threat happening right now. So that's fear. Anxiety would be me preaching this whole time thinking that he might have a knife, even if he doesn't. Does that make sense? Fear is seeing the knife. Anxiety is seeing the knife that doesn't exist. Okay? So that's why the series is called Boogeyman, because the boogeyman doesn't exist. You're like, what, dude? <laughs> um, so... I want to preface it with this, though. 90% of the things I'm going to say during this series are out of two books. One, obviously the Bible, and the second one is this book called Anxious for Nothing by Max Lucado. So if you're a reader and you want to follow along, I'm literally just preaching out of the chapters of this book and the, and the Word of God. And so uh, it's really, really good, uh, and it talks about anxiety. And so I read it a little while ago, and I thought it would be a really good intro. And I'm taking some other thoughts from other books as well, but this is the main uh, kind of outline. We cool? Okay, so tonight, if you're taking notes, which I think you should, because it's going to be good. I'm going to move this out of the way. But if you're taking notes, uh, tonight's message is titled, and this is chapter one of that book, Less Fret, More Faith. Less Fret, More Faith. Max Lucado talks about anxiety. He's got a couple quotes right off the bat in this, in this uh, chapter. He says, anxiety is not so much a storm as the certainty that one is coming. Uh, not the sight of a grizzly, but the suspicion of one or two or ten or maybe twenty. A mild case of anxiety is like, oh, there might be that, oh, a bear. While you're camping, there might be a bear here. A, a, a severe case of anxiety is there might be twenty and they're all trying to kill me. <laughs> And so the first thing I want to say, and this is pretty obvious, some of you are going to be like, duh, but I just want, if you write this down, because it's super, it's super, 
Simple, you already know this, but I want, to, I want to start off with this, that life is less enjoyable when you're anxious. It just is. Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? I, for any of you that have been anxious, raise your hand if you've ever been anxious in your life, real quick, just so we can get like a, a standard of who I'm talking to. Okay, cool, everybody in the room. And uh, some of you struggle with anxiety. Some of you just have moments of anxiety. I don't struggle consistently with anxiety. I have moments of intense anxiety once or twice a year where, like, my body hurts. <laughs> like, it, like, I can feel it. It's really weird. I, I, it's probably bad because I don't know that it's there until my body hurts. And I'm like, uh, I'm really anxious right now. I need to chill out and do something or whatever. Um, it'll, like, throw my back out. It's really weird. I'll get, like, chiropractic adjustment after having an anxiety attack. But, um, but w- on whatever side of the spectrum you're at, Life is less enjoyable when you're anxious. I don't like the times when I'm anxious. And those of you that struggle with anxiety on a consistent basis, life isn't all that fun when you look at your anxiety. You don't laugh as much. You don't see the beauty in life as much. You don't see your friends being happy as much. You don't see the place that you live as good anymore. You don't see uh, your situation as good. You don't see the blessings that God has blessed you with. You'll see, right, you, you might have someone give you some nice clothes, or you might get, uh, for those of you that just got your license, you might get a new car, you might uh, get some good grades on a test or whatever, but if you're crippled by anxiety, not, you won't see any of those things. And you'll actually talk about how bad life is and how bad you're struggling and how bad everything is going despite the blessings that God's putting in front of you. And you'll blame the wrong things for your mood. You'll start blaming symptoms for your anxiety instead of um, the cause. And here's one that I wrote down for me when I get anxious is I, I don't get lost in my kid-like imagination anymore. If you know me, I'm just a big kid. Sometimes it's to my detriment, but I'm goofy. I like to mess around, and I like to dream big. And for those of you that have ever been in a meeting with me or especially in like a church staff meeting or whatever, I'll dream big. I'll just have this crazy idea and whatever and sometimes it's not all that realistic but um more and more I'm trying to be more realistic and so you've probably seen that side of me recently but um I know when I'm anxious the kid like imagination goes out the window everything is doom and gloom and it's like a mixture of uh, the book talks about how it's a mixture of Eeyore and Chicken Little the sky is falling and it's disproportionately falling on me. Right? So you're not just a, you're not just a pessimist. Uh, you're, and don't take this wrong because I've been there. But in, in the moment, you're a selfish pessimist. Where, where it, it's, it's really bad and, and it's worse for me than it is for you. Anybody ever been there? And I'm, so I'm not, I'm not calling you selfish. I'm saying all, everybody raise their hands. We've all been there. It's just when you're crippled by anxiety, it's all focused in on what's happening to you and how bad it is. And, and you see, here's another thing that happens when you're really, really anxious or, or when you slip into that ugly word depression is you think everybody else's life is really good and yours is really bad. Even if somebody's struggling with something, it doesn't seem like they are as bad as you are, Right? So it's just, a, it's just a snowball effect that happens. And some of you know this, but I'm just recapping. So let's talk about the difference between anxiety and fear. And we talked about it a little bit where, where fear is, is, is me seeing Jackson with a knife and anxiety is me thinking that he has one even if he doesn't. But fear 
write this down. Fear creates a moment. And anxiety creates a trajectory. So what I mean by that is fear, you, ever, you guys ever heard in school about fight or flight? It's like a, a, a fear moment will, will when, when you're afraid of something, it will trigger um, adrenaline, and then you'll either, you'll either fight or flight, meaning you'll either stand up to whatever you're afraid of or you'll bail, right? I'm not saying either one is better than the other. <laughs> if a bear's coming, you probably should bail. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your fight or flight instinct should probably flight, okay? But so fear creates a moment. I remember times where I was afraid. But I didn't necessarily stay afraid of those things. It just happened. It was scary. It was like, ah, right? Sometimes it's traumatic and turns into anxiety. But fear creates a moment, and anxiety creates a trajectory, meaning that I'm going to continuously be afraid of this thing, even if it's not anywhere near me. It's like people who are, like, super, super afraid of spiders. There doesn't even have to be a spider in the room, but if you just say spider, ooh, right? Ooh, spider, what? Right? It's like this. It's like this consistent, and it's a silly joke because people could be afraid of spiders, and it's not going to change their life. It's whatever. But we see things like that all the time uh, with our anxiety. Whatever your, whatever the trigger is, it just, it just keeps going. So fear is a moment, and anxiety creates a trajectory for our life. So we have to break it. Amen. Uh, Max Lucado kind of has a funny saying in, uh, in, in the book, and it says, he said, uh, anxious is a hybrid word between angst and just. <laughs> and angst is a sense of unease, and just is the sound that you make when you're out of breath. <laughs> so, but it, it, it turns really profound, and he says, anxious people are people who are out of breath because of the angst of life. So it was silly, but now it makes a lot of sense. Anxious people are, 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 you ever been swimming in the ocean, and there's just this consistent swell, wave after wave after wave, and you feel like you can't catch your breath? When you, when you live a consistent life of anxiety, life just feels like that. That you're just in the wave. Just like hoping for some air. Right? And so this series, and a little bit today, we're going to, we're going to, Talk about how to get our breath back, how to get our air back. And we talked about this at camp a little bit at retreat. If you were there, I said, you know, some of us just need to, to get us back, the person we know, the person that hasn't been there in a while, right? So let's figure out how to get our air back. Here's a couple of facts about anxiety. This is why I'm spending a lot of time this year on this subject. I don't want to dwell on anxiety in, in a... In a let me, let me phrase this the right way. I do not want to enable your anxiety. So me preaching on anxiety means that I, as your youth pastor, am going to come against yours and my anxiety, and it's going to have no place in us anymore. Make sense? It does not mean that I am going to become educated on anxiety so that I could care for you extra specially every time you're anxious. No, I, I just don't think you should be anxious as much as you are because I don't think that's of God, Right? And so I want, to get, I want to make that really clear. This series is not to enable anxiety and to tell you why you're anxious. This series is to tell you why God says that you don't need to be anxious. Okay? 
But here's a couple facts. This is why I'm so fired up about it. The U.S. is the most anxious nation in the world. We have $300 billion spent a year on stress-related ailments through medication and loss of productivity. $300 billion on anxiety. (laughs) From 1997 to 2004, so it's a seven-year span, Anxiety meds, like spending on anxiety meds in the U.S. went from $900 million to $2.1 billion in a seven-year span. A lot of it having to do with uh, uh, Y2K. Everyone thought the world was going to end when, when, we went, when we hit 2000 because our computers couldn't compute going from 99 to 00, but whatever. Um, now we know that's silly, but back in the day it was like a real thing. And then 2001, 9-11 happened, and so it's just this... Right, but from 1997 to 2004, went from, what did I say, 90, $900 million to $2.1 billion a year. And now we're at $300 billion a year on anxiety medication and loss of productivity. Meaning that you're working and then you have to remove yourself from work because of an anxiety attack or something like that. And so we count, they count that in this census. So here's... Here's the big question. Why? Why is this happening? Why did we have such a big jump? I I named some like world issues that happen that are obviously going to make us more anxious. My grandparents owned a travel business where they would uh, take tour buses across the country. My mom and dad, uh, before they had kids, my dad would drive the bus. My mom was a tour guide. Super cute. But anyways, my grandparents owned the business. And when 9-11 happened, the business went under. They lost it. Lost everything. Why? Because nobody wanted to fly anymore. Anxiety crippled the nation. So those types of things are real, but that's not the only reason. Why is it residual? Right now, what, what's going on? I know that we've had a pandemic. It's 2020, and some of you, uh, I don't know where you land on on your thoughts on COVID. It doesn't really matter. I, I'm just saying there's been events that have happened, but then we've just been stuck. So why? Here's three things. These are not the only three things. There's a list of, of Hundreds and thousands of things that can make you anxious. But these are three things that I think have, have made our generation anxious. Uh, number one is change. We don't like change. Change is hard. Change is tough. And in today's world, if it doesn't change, it's not good. Number two is uh, we just move faster. You ever been sitting by your microwave wondering, like, dude, when is this thing going to be done? Anybody? Right? Back in the day, you had to bake it, right? And now you just put it in the microwave for a minute and a half, and you're like, oh, come on, you know, I want my Hot Pocket, you know? It's like, what? Or if your computer is not running at the speed of light, you're like flipping tables and calling cocks and, 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 and telling them that you're not going to pay another dime if they don't speed this thing up, right? Well, you guys probably don't, but you've heard your parents do it. <laughs> but everything, everything has to move fast, Right? If, you're, if your phone's moving slow, right, if you're on Instagram and it's got the little circle thing, what's the first thing you do? Check the Wi-Fi. Wait a second. And if you've got unlimited data, you just turn off the Wi-Fi. I'm sick of this, you know. Everything has to move so fast. So naturally, when anything moves slow, you get anxious about it. And that's not healthy. It's okay, it's okay if something moves slow. You know who moves slow? Jesus. It took Jesus 30 years to decide that he was going to, all right, he's going to do that. That's longer than it took me to become a pastor. You know what I mean? Jesus like, 30 years, all right, let's do it. 
But in today's age, when things change, we get anxious. And when things don't move fast, as fast as we want them to, we get anxious. I want to be an actor. Okay. If that doesn't happen by the time I'm 18, you know what I mean? It's like, what? Or for those of you that feel called to ministry, I want to be a pastor. If that doesn't happen when I'm 18, I'm going to lose my mind. If that doesn't happen right now when I'm 16, I deserve to be a pastor of a church of 100,000 people and I'm 14 years old. I'm just kidding. I don't know, I don't know what it is. But it's like, why does it take so long? So change, moving faster, and personal challenges, things that happen. Um, whether that be how we feel about how we look in the mirror, uh, how people talk about us, how we feel in our own skin, uh, things like that will add to anxiety. So change, moving faster, and then personal challenges. Those are the things, the big three that I think we need to figure out how to we're going we're gonna to take the next few, few weeks to figure out how to combat those. Like the personal challenges. You don't feel good in your own skin. We're going to talk about how you are fearfully, wonderfully made. You're awesome. You're beautiful. You're handsome. Whatever it is. And God made you. He did not make a mistake. And you as a person, soul, body, mind, everything is, is just how God wanted you to be. Right? And we're going to talk about how moving slower is good. It's like when we are at retreat. The idea of like taking 15 minutes in the morning to do our devotionals is like, oh my gosh, that's, that's so long. <laughs> I know some of you have been trying to do it, and, 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 and I'm proud of you. It's really awesome. Um, and, but it's not natural for us because it's like, oh, well, usually I just go on my Bible app, and there's a verse of the day. I read it in like five seconds, so I move on, you know. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, slow it down. Nothing ever good happens out of like a, 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 a quick pace. If you, if you work at a really, really, really quick pace, you'll do it worse than if you just took your time to do it. If I make a financial decision for my home in, in a really quick moment, it's going to be a lot worse of a decision than if I took time to pray about it and, and talk to my wife about it. You know what I mean? So anything that we rush is not good. And then change. we got to be okay with change. And you know what helps us to be okay with change is that in the midst of the change, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So we have something that's like consistent and through. Where am I at? 756. Okay. Sorry, there's so much to talk about, and I'm excited about it, so here we go. Um, but in the, in the age where everything happens fast and everything's changing, we, we used to hear of a crisis after it happened days, months, when it came out in the newspaper or on the radio or whatever. Now with cell phones, you find out about the world's biggest crisis seconds after it happens. And when you have your phone open all the time, your screen time's like 16 hours a day, like you're just being downloaded with all this junk all the time. And you, as a 14-year-old guy or girl, are carrying the world's problems because of our accessibility to social media. And you as a junior high or high schooler, me as a, a young adult, we don't need to carry the weight of the world. That's not our job. I've got enough to worry about in my own house. Like making sure Vince has enough to eat and Danielle has enough to eat and Roxy has enough to eat and our lights stay on, right? And if I'm constantly worrying about what's happening in Beijing, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, What? And I'm not saying that you don't want to be informed about certain things. 
Actually, I am saying that for you. You guys don't need to worry about all the world's political problems right now. You really don't. Until you can vote, you don't really need to worry about it. You could be, you could, you could know about it, and you could be informed about it, but carrying the weight of it does not make any sense for you. I'm only going to carry the weight and the worry of stuff that I can make a difference in. If I can't do anything about it, it has nothing to do with me. And that's like a super contrarian like viewpoint. People are like, "Oh my gosh, you want him to be ignorant?" No, I don't want you to be ignorant. I just want I, I just want your what you're doing to matter. Here, here, here's, there's a Francis Chan quote that the worst thing is not failing at something. The worst thing that could possibly happen in your life is being really good at something that doesn't matter. I would rather fail at something a bunch of times than be phenomenal at something that, no, that has no impact on the world. Amen? So that's kind of what I'm talking about. But here's another thing that happens with our anxiety. When, when we miss peace, p- peace is the goal. And when we miss it and fall short and land on anxiety, we feel really guilty. It's like, whoa. Why am I anxious? Brett always talks about not being anxious and being filled with peace, and I'm anxious again. He's going to hate me, and if I tell him about it, he's going to be disappointed. And ah! Right? Or for you girls, like, if I tell Danielle about it, she's going to be like, stop doing that. And I'm like, I'm easy for you to say. Right? And it's like, <laughs> you feel bad. And so you don't need to feel guilty. I'm not, I'm, this series is not to give you a guilt trip if you struggle with anxiety. This series is to free you from it. Amen? So Philippians 4, 6, um, write down... Uh, Philippians 4, uh, 4 through 7, that's going to be a scripture we go back to all the time, but let's, let's read a portion of it first. Philippians 4, uh, sorry, 4, verse 6. Yeah, here we go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. For some of you, this is an awesome scripture. For some of you, you're like, why is this in the Bible? It says, be anxious, don't be, don't be anxious about anything. Or other translations, be anxious for nothing. And you're like, thanks for the advice. Don't be anxious about anything. Thanks, Paul. You know what I mean? It's like, why would he say that? Don't be anxious about anything. Hey, it's like, it's like if you came to me, Brett, I'm really struggling with anxiety. And I'm like, yeah, just don't. You know what I mean? Be a man. Or whatever. That's a meme online, so I just said it. But I'm just really I'm really struggling with depression. Yeah, don't do that. Don't be depressed about anything. You'd smack me in the face. <laughs> or you'd like scream and yell and run out of my office and, and leave the church and <laughs> tell your parents about how awful I am. And it's in the Bible. It says don't be anxious about anything. And it just makes like if you struggle with anxiety, you just want to flip a table, right? You're like <laughs> So why does it say that? Don't, and here's why I think it says that. Don't let anything in life leave you perpetually breathless and in angst. It's not saying that you can't be anxious. It's saying that you should not be identified by your anxiety. Max Lucado has a wonderful quote that I think is awesome for this. It says, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. 
The presence of anxiety is unavoidable. We're all going to have a moment of, of anxiety. We're all going to have moments where we feel anxious and all that kind of stuff. But the prison of anxiety where we feel crippled and bound and we can't get out of it, that is optional and there's a way out, I promise. And, and, and still you might want to fight me right now, but I promise there's a way out. Anxiety is not a sin, it's, it's an emotion. So let's start there. Don't feel guilt if you feel anxious. It's not a sin, it's emotion. But anxiety can lead to very sinful behaviors. So if you let anxiety turn into a trajectory in your life and turn into a habit, it can lead to very sinful behaviors, but it in itself is not sinful. So if you have a moment of anxiety, just rebuke it. Don't feel bad. Don't feel like, like you've, you've, you've lost the game, right? You just, you move on. And all of you just lost the game because I said that. Ah, that's funny. Okay. But let's, let's, let's read this. Luke uh, 21, verse 34. Do I have it up there? Luke 21, 34. Okay, I don't even need to turn to this. Check this out. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. So watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. And, and, and this can talk about like actual drunkenness with alcohol and stuff, but, but there's another aspect of, that this is talking about. You ever felt like so anxious and so down and so depressed that you just feel cloudy? And you feel like you just don't even know what's going on in the world? And you ever felt that that day just suddenly snuck up on you like a trap? That's what that's talking about. Dissipation, drunkenness, and cares of what? This life. Remember what I said like five minutes ago? <laughs> about not worrying about things that you don't have any control over? That's what this is talking about. It's in the Gospel of Luke. It's awesome. So if you're anxious, let's read the whole scripture, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Um, we'll take our time with this. So here's the whole thing. Not just the don't be anxious part. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everybody or everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. So, so we skipped a good part right there when we first read the scripture. The, the part right before it says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. We'll get to why that's important after this. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So it's saying give all your worries and give all the things that are making you anxious. Give all the things that seem to bring you down and give them to God. The Lord is here. Do not be anxious. I talked about this in a, a, a message I preached. Or I don't even know if it was a message. Some, I said it in church sometime. But if I was going to start a business and Mark Cuban, who's like on Shark Tank, if Mark Cuban called me and said, Brett, I like your business idea. We're going to do this together. It's going to be successful. We got this. You know how much anxiety I would have over that business? 
And so when God says, Chris, I have a plan for your life. I know what's going to happen. And if you trust me, it'll work out. Why do we have anxiety about it? Why do I trust Mark Cuban more than I trust God? Because I don't have a full understanding of who God is. Right? So, so, so the issues here be, are resolved if I understand fully who God is and then I just trust him. God, I, I don't know what I'm going to go through life. I know that people have been through a lot of tough stuff. I know that I might lose money at times or I might lose this. But God, if I just trust you and I, and I believe that you're consistent, and God, I know that you have got a plan for me and for my family and for my friends, God, just peace in Jesus' name. Right? That, that's the idea. And, and I've, I talked about it at, at retreat where the last three years, my, my number one goal has been peace in my house, in my mind, in my family, and the only way that I have peace is if I don't worry about everything that's going on in the world. I'm aware of it. I know what's going on, but, I, but I'm not worried. Because why? Because I trust God. And I know he's going to work it out. I know there's been times where, like, I, lo- I, had, I worked two jobs before the pandemic, and, and, and then I worked one job. And when you are s- supporting a family, going from two jobs to one job is scary. I trusted God. God, you'll provide, and he has. So here's another thing. When you're praying, this helps, this helps me when I'm anxious. There's this thing called calm. We could throw it up there. Calm. Celebrate, ask, leave, and meditate. And so this is kind of similar to the morning devotional thing that I taught you guys all. But celebrate means I'm going to celebrate Jesus for how good he is. I'm going to celebrate God. I'm going to be thankful. God, you're so good. You've, you've led me through all these Crazy things. I don't want to turn into one of the children of Israel that was like, God, can take me back to Egypt. Because I'm a little bit hungry here in the wilderness. God's like, I've taken you out of Egypt. I'm taking you to the promised land. Trust me, right? And so, so I celebrate God. I ask for what I need. God, rid me of this anxiety. Rid me of depression. Rid me of stress. God, give me peace. Lord, calm the storm inside of me, right? And then I leave it with him. After I've said, God, will you take this away from me? I trust that he will do it, and I leave it. It's like if I was like, hey, if I was like, hey, Jackson, can you, uh, hey, Jackson, can you, uh, can you take, take this? Right? So, like, no, give it back. Okay, now this is how a lot of us pray. Hey, Jackson, can you take this? Dude, take it. Dude, take it. Why aren't you taking it? Just take it, dude. That's how we pray. God, take this from me. You can keep that. I don't know what that is. Someone put it on my piano. Um, Unless it was really important. Whoever gave it to me, if I need to keep it, let me know after service. Um, It was just on the piano when I got up there. But but we do that with God. We say, God, take this from me, and then just hold on to it. Oh, God, why aren't you taking it? That's crazy. Why aren't you taking it? Right? We just got to let it go. So leave and then meditate. Ponder, ponder what's, what's happening in your life and what God's doing. Amen? So here's the final thing. The thing that we talked about. The thing that for today, this isn't the final thing. There's going to be 11 more messages on, on the top of, topic of anxiety. So there's going to be many more solutions. But the first solution I want you to focus on this week is trust God. Just trust God. 
you struggle with anxiety, this week your number one goal is to trust God. God, you have my life in the palm of your hands. You have a plan for me, and it's going to work. God, I, no matter what it is, I see people who, like, I see people who are running in the Paralympics with no legs, and they're, and they're, and they're happy and running and celebrating. Life happened to them, but you had a plan for them. It, it, it's like for, for my dad, right, had cancer. That's scary, but God had a plan. God, had, God was going to figure that out for him, right? And, and so whatever happens in your life, the number one thing this week is just trust God. Just trust God. It's like for me, when I, when I broke my leg and then found out I had a blood clot and all this other stuff was happening, I was like, okay, God, I trust you. That was scary. I didn't want to have to go through that. But I trust you. It's like when Danielle had a miscarriage and we were really hoping to have kids and, and, and you go through this crazy time of heartbreak and a little bit of identity crisis. I had already thought I was going to be a dad and then, and then, it, and then it wasn't and then it, you know, it goes back and forth. And it, I just had to, I went on this walk. I went on this, we were out camping. So I went on this like hike for like three hours by myself and I just was like yelling. <laughs> just yelling at God, just so mad. Just weeping. All, I, I cried so hard that I, I kept crying, but no tears were coming out. Like, like baby crying, and nothing was coming out. I just, I just, was, I just emptied myself. And, but finally at the end of it, I said, I trust you. I don't know why this happened. I'm mad, but I trust you. And then I got through it. And now we have baby Vince, and he's so cute. <laughs> and I don't know why things happen. I don't know why bad things happened. Someone at, at retreat came up to me and said, why, why do bad things happen? I said, you know what, I, I don't really know. I mean, we live in a fallen world. Things happen. Um, but God's going to use it for good. God's going to work it out. And he's not surprised by it. Nothing will come your way apart from God's permission. And it's not saying that God wants you to go through something, but, he, but for some reason, I don't know why, but he allows us to. Um, because he knows we could do it. So whatever you're going through, you can you could do it. You can get through it. And and you can't do it by yourself though. The the point is, and this is what I answered the, to the person who asked me why bad things happen, was because sometimes we live our whole life thinking that we can do everything on our own. Sometimes you need a little bit of a reality check that you really desperately need God to help you through life. God loves you, and he's not surprised by your anxiety, okay? And so you're going to get through it, and it's going to be good. And he whispers to you, everything is secure, and you can rest now. And so there's this prayer. Um, there's this prayer at the end of the chapter in this book. I think it's really good. Can I pray it over you? Is that cool? Can we stand up? And this is how I'm going to end. I'm going to pray this prayer over you, and uh, and then we're going to hang out. And those of you that are available to do it, we'll go to in and out have some food. But here it is. And please hear the words in this prayer. So everybody bow your heads, close your eyes, and I feel like this is so good. Dear Lord, you spoke to storms. Would you speak to ours? You calmed the hearts of the apostles. Would you calm the chaos within us? You told them to fear not, so say the same to us. We are weary from our worry, battered and belittled by the gales of life. O Prince of Peace, Give to us a spirit of calm. As we go through this series, God, would you turn a new leaf in our lives? Would you quench anxiety? Would you stir courage? 
Would you help our hearts to be lifted up, full of faith, and full of the peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right. That's it for this week. Invite your friends next week. It's going to be good. Part two. Love you. Let's hang out outside. Do whatever you got to do. Rock and roll.